Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I trust and hope that you are all well. Before we get started, I would like to give a very special shout out to the Patreon members. Cindy Cleveland, Tavia S, Interscare Wifey, Samantha, Andre, aka OKV, Tina Mead, Mana Ash, Felicia Scott, House of Jen, and Nancy Wallace. Thank you all so much for being a part of the new membership. If you like what you are hearing, down below in the description, you can buy me a coffee as well if you would like to join Patreon or become a member of Back to Ashes here on YouTube. All of the information can be found in the description below. With that being said, it is time to go back to ashes. For when we arise from the ashes, we are a bigger, brighter, stronger, and happier person in the morning. Sit back, relax, kick back, grab a snack, or tuck in and get warm and prepare for this dose of vocal melatonin entitled Scary Middle of Nowhere Stories. Right after this intro, there will be an ad. I'll read the first story. There'll be another ad. And after that, there will be no more ads within this video. One night, my husband and I were in the car, driving on a road that crossed the woods. My husband was driving, and I was sitting next to him. We were alone in the dark. The only light was coming from our car. Suddenly, we saw a very bright, white light that came in the direction of my window. When we both looked to my side and saw a weird and tall humanoid silhouette, that seemed to be holding a light in front of its face. It happened so fast, but we both seemed to remember this happening in slow motion. As soon as we passed this thing, the light went out. There were no other vehicles on the road besides ours, and there was no way that that light could have been reflecting off of our car. I don't think it was a person. It was far too weird. Besides, why would a person wander in the middle of the night, at night, without any light, and only turn it on right when our car passed by, and then turn it off as we passed? Right after this happened, me and my husband got the hell out of there. About two months ago, I was wandering in the middle of the woods and I found a machete that happened to be buried in the dirt, not really deep. It looked like someone had kicked dirt on it and just walked away. 
I took it home and hung it on my wall. Yesterday, the coroner and PD showed up at my mom's house after we discovered her boyfriend dead on the floor. They searched the house for drugs and happened to take the machete off the wall. Not long after, they came back and questioned me about who the machete belonged to. I told them it belonged to me and I happened to find it in the middle of the woods. The police ended up confiscating the machete and informed me that the dried blood that was all over it belonged to a girl who had went missing not long ago that lived right up the street from where I resided. My boyfriend, a friend, and I had been visiting friends up north. We live in Germany. Me and the friend that we're visiting are Wiccan. A holiday was coming up, so we asked our friends to join us for a ritual. For the ritual, we needed some corn leaves. So we set out on our quest to find the corn leaves. It's pitch blackout and probably around 11 p.m., we happened to be out of the city already and in the middle of nowhere on a path between cornfields. We are four people. I'm holding the flashlight. Everyone's got a beer. Music is playing and the mood is pretty good. Nobody seems scared. All of a sudden, my friend who's walking slightly in front of me says, Hold up. Something's walking over there. And everyone immediately stops walking. I instantly get this chill and hear something rustling in the high stalks beside the path, and I just started to scream. You probably would have thought I was being stabbed to death. I don't know why I did it. It just seemed like everything went from zero to 100 really quickly. As she's calming me down, she says, oh, it's okay, I'm sorry, I think it was just a deer. And the others chime in and said, yeah, it sounded like a deer. I started taking some deep breaths and thinking to myself, Oh, fuck. I got scared by a deer. It's fine. Whatever. All of a sudden, the rustling starts up again, but I don't see anything. I should be able to see a fucking deer, because I'm holding the flashlight. I should be able to have seen something. The stalks on both sides start moving and rustling. I begin screaming again because I'm scared. Then, my friend says she saw something standing on the side of the road. Then she saw it crawl across. I still haven't seen anything, and then she starts screaming as well. The other two aren't saying anything, just standing, silently staring straight ahead. Between my friend and I being hysterical, crying and screaming, all of a sudden we hear rustling again. And then, we hear giggling. Evil-sounding giggling. I'm not trying to be overdramatic here, but we all four confirmed afterwards that that is what we all heard. I began having a panic attack. I start crying again, and after that, we booked it back to town. I've never ran that fast in my entire life. It wasn't a deer. It wasn't any animal that I know of. It fucking giggled like an actual human child. All four of us just don't know what to think at this point. After we get back to town, we all vowed that we would never return to that cornfield again.
This happened last year. My friend and I were driving around in the middle of nowhere, trying to find a place without lights so we could watch the meteor shower that was getting ready to happen. We pulled up to a place by the woods and turned off the car and stood outside. We looked up at the sky just as the meteor started shooting by. It was really dark out. It was perfect for witnessing this meteor shower. We were all standing silently. We began to hear footsteps coming from within the woods. They were faint at first, but sounded like they were growing closer. My family and I looked at each other and listened to the sound. They were growing closer and closer. It didn't sound like an animal. It sounded big. We thought it was a person. Which is weird because it was 11.30 at night. So why would a person be out in the middle of the woods? We didn't see a flashlight or anything. It was walking slowly at first, but started to walk faster. It sounded like it was speed walking towards us. We all ran and got into the car and drove out of there as quickly as possible. To this day, I have no clue what it was. It could have been a coyote or deer, but usually they walk and then pause and then walk again. Whatever was walking had determination. We decided to drive back the following night to see if it happened again. Stupid, I know. We didn't hear the footsteps, but we did hear a creaking tree. It sounded very creepy. There's something extremely creepy about that place. Afterwards, we never went back. I grew up spending a ton of time in the Colorado Rockies. In college, a friend and I were on a weekend backpacking trip up in National Forest Land, about 300 yards off trail, when we stumbled across a mostly buried bunker which looked like someone had built. Think of a 20-foot-long tough shed buried almost up to its roof. We only noticed it because sun glared off one of the two small windows in the roof which looked to have been deliberately covered with brush and tree litter. Looking through the windows, we could make out a cot, buckets, and tubs of food and supplies, things like that. We found the door, which looked to be concealed and partially buried, which had a very heavy padlock securing it. We both noped the hell out of there with a quickness, we didn't want to run into whoever built that place or whoever or whatever seemed to be living inside. I was driving down a windy country road around 4 a.m. in the middle of nowhere to my favorite hunting spot. I was a bit groggy as my buddy and I came around the next bend we noticed a large bright light in the distance. As we got closer, we noticed that it was a large fire and that someone must be burning wood. We continued driving and begin to slow down as we get closer. As we approach, we see two people waving us down in the middle of the street. We roll down our windows, only to hear blood-curdling screams and cries for help. 
we look over and can see the fire clearly now. An old pickup truck had ran off the road and smashed into a tree. The entire cab was engulfed in 12-foot-high flames. One of the bystanders screamed, There's someone in there! I could see the silhouette of a person in the driver's seat, surrounded by smoke and fire as they were being burned alive. The flames were too large to offer any help to the person. To this day, the haunting images are burned into my mind, and the sound of the cries for help are something I will never forget. By far the scariest thing I have ever witnessed. When I was younger, my father, brother, and I were visiting our grandparents. While I was up there, I went on a little hike with my brother and dad, just sort of going through the woods. We ended up emerging from them onto someone's property. There happened to be a dude standing right there, and he came up to us with his kid and asked the obvious, uh, what you doing on my property? My dad apologized and said we were hiking and that he shouldn't have been so careless. We turned and went back as quickly as we had stumbled onto his property. While the encounter was odd, it didn't feel tense or anything. My brother and I learned a good lesson about respecting private property that day. However, the guy that we encountered was apparently not satisfied. I get it to some degree. If I lived outside an urban area, I'd be suspicious too if someone emerges from the forest onto my property. Things got weird though. The guy we had encountered actually got some crazy guy who either worked for or was related to him to track us back to our cabin. About five minutes after we got back and started to make lunch, this goon literally waltzed inside the cabin and begins to talk about how we were caught trespassing. He wasn't yelling or angry or anything, but it was still pretty jarring to have some camo-wearing guy that you've never seen before just barge into your grandparents' cabin. He didn't have a lot of time to say much else because our grandparents owned a few guns. They were mostly antique, though. And sure enough, one got pulled on him. Our grandma held this guy up and actually apologized again for the prior misunderstanding earlier. Then she started to yell at him for following us, trespassing on her property, and straight up coming inside uninvited. He quickly turned around and left. It was a really weird encounter. I've since talked to my dad and my brother about it on occasion, just to make sure I wasn't dreaming or it was my imagination. My father had let me know that he and my grandparents have never, ever seen those two guys ever before in their life. Alright, I lived way out in the country when I was younger, probably around 15 years old. My family and I were so way out that it would take us an hour to get to the closest grocery store and would take the cops probably 45 minutes to get to our house. There were no neighbors close by. If something happened, no one would hear you scream. One night, I got a gut feeling that something wasn't right. I ignored it and went to sleep, 
thinking it was just anxiety. Then I was woken to blood-curdling screams at two in the morning. I was absolutely terrified. These screams sounded demonic, switching between a high-pitched screech of a woman to the low growl of a man. My entire family was also woken up. Hearing the screams, my stepdad grabbed a shotgun and went outside. Mind you, this is the country, and there are no streetlights. It is literally pitch black, other than the porch light above us. The screaming and screeching continues. It sounds like two people. My sister had gone out with her boyfriend earlier that day and still hadn't returned. Based off of the screaming, my mom got overdramatic, thinking it was my sister being murdered in the woods by her then-boyfriend. My mom then began screaming, Jason, Jason, let go of her. Get your hands off of her. Where are you? Then, it goes completely silent. We're all scared, thinking she's dead, and he's coming for us next. Then, another noise began. And it's the voice of a man or demon. I couldn't tell. It starts yelling. I am Jacob. I am the son of God. I am chosen to find the baby. Only I can make this passage. Only I can find this baby in Valin. Now we're really pretty scared, thinking my sister's boyfriend is part of some cult and going to kill us all for sure. My mom finally calls the police. All the while, this person is still screeching and howling and creeping closer and closer to our house. After about 30 minutes of this, we finally see the outline of a person. He was right next to our car. My stepdad shoots near where he was standing and starts yelling, Don't you get any closer now. The man is still creeping closer. Get back. Don't make me kill you, my stepdad screams. After that second shot, we see and hear the man run back up into the woods. So we wait for the police to arrive. Finally, after 45 minutes or so, the police car arrives and an officer gets out and starts shining the light into the woods until he happens to land on the perpetrator. We cannot believe what we see. It is a skinny, completely naked, shaved man, crawling on all fours like a gorilla, or like Gollum from Lord of the Rings, if that's easier for you to picture. The police ended up grabbing him, him screeching and howling the entire time. The cops didn't even come back to explain what was happening. They just threw the guy in the back of the car. They also took off and we had to go back to sleep like nothing happened. The next day, we ended up calling the police to find out what happened and to see who was on our property. Apparently, it was just a random guy who happened to be an offender of using drugs. After sobering up, he told the police he had mixed a bunch of drugs together and tripped out a little too hard. We later saw on the news that that very young guy, so we discovered, ended up succumbing to his addictions. It was unfortunate. That was a pretty terrifying night, and for those that don't live in the country, these are the type of true horrors that you could end up facing. Since that night, we haven't had any drugged-out random men 
coming and yelling and screaming in the middle of the night around our house. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com. Back when I was younger, I had attended a college that was located away from any major city. It was surrounded by woods. That being said, there was a highly rated trail, the Loyal Sock Trail, which was about an hour drive from the university. I invited a friend to come with me as he had never been on an extended backpacking trip. This was a 50-plus mile trail that we had intended to backpack over the four-day weekend. I am an Eagle Scout who has spent countless hours in the woods and went on backpacking trips consistently throughout my college experience. As many have said before me, you get used to the minor spooky things happening. Coyotes howling, raccoons in the middle of the night, even the occasional unknown noise. The scariest thing, however, to find in the woods are people. We were about 20 miles into the trail and, being Pennsylvania where the underbrush and trees line the trails pretty densely, I always walk about 100 meters off of the trail to reduce the chances of me disturbing people or people disturbing me, especially in the early morning when I choose to sleep in. Following that same strategy, my friend and I go out of our way to be in this amazing spot, a good ways off the trail where it would be even difficult to see our flashlights. This spot was on a peninsula where a creek met a river, meaning there was only one way into our camp and only one way out. We start a fire, cook our food, and started drinking some, but not enough to get either of us drunk. We put the fire out about midnight and head into our individual tents. All is quiet. It's the fall semester, so leaves are falling on the ground. The moon is brightly shining through the bare trees, and the air is cool. The only noise is the occasional time when I would hear my friend turn over in his sleep. 
Then, I began to hear voices. The voices sounded very close for being on the trail a hundred plus meters away. I checked my watch. 3 a.m. Who's hiking at 3 a.m.? We are 20 miles in. I slowly get out of my sleeping bag, unzip my tent, only to see my friend peeking out of his tent in the exact same fashion. He quickly moves his finger over his mouth in an exaggerated hush signal, then use the same hand to frantically motion towards the way of the trail. Then we see them, four adults, three men and one woman, walking directly towards our camp, no lights illuminating their path. They are walking silently at this point. Only one of them has a backpack, an impossibility for the long hike they were one-third of the way through. Being that it was a long trip, you bring wood-cutting supplies to chop branches into smaller branches to burn. For me, it was my survival knife. Grabbing the knife, believing it is my only way of defending myself, I am more disheveled than I ever have been, especially knowing that a knife is barely a defense at all. These people walk into our site, sit down by our extinguished fire pit, and just sit there for what felt like an eternity. My friend speaks up and asks what they are doing at our campsite. Without answering the question, they ask if we have any food. Having packed as lightly as possible for the long trip, we had only a few extra Mountain House MRE-style meals. I grab one out of my bag and toss it to one of them. In rapid succession, I ask why they aren't using a light, if they need help finding the trail, and why are they hiking so late. They respond with the following. We don't use lights. We know where the trail is. It is better to hike late at night. Unnerved at this point, my friend asks them to leave. They respond by asking if we want to light the fire and hang out for a bit. No, we do not. They grab their bag, get up, and leave without speaking another word. We watch them leave, and then we began taking shifts, making sure that they didn't come back. Needless to say, we both got very little sleep that night. When the sun rose the next morning, we finally got real sleep. By the afternoon, when we woke up, it all felt like a weird dream of sorts. The only evidence was a fuzzy cap that they must have dropped that I still have to this day. I have never had something as weird and spooky as this happen in the woods and hope to never have it happen again. In the eight years since that trip, I have never been back to the Loyal Sock Trail. I spent a summer doing conservation work out in the absolute middle of nowhere in Wyoming. I was part of a crew that would spend two weeks camping in remote places to do manual labor in places machines couldn't get to. On this particular trip, we were building new hiking and biking trails in the back portion of a designated wilderness area in a high-altitude desert. That means that the nearest civilization was a two-hour car ride to a town of 41 people in a sandy soil area where tracks last forever. 
It was the middle of our stint during the early part of the night, where everyone else had gone to bed, but I stayed up to read, so it was maybe 11.30 or so. It was still pitch black outside. Clouds had covered the stars, so my headlamp was probably the only light on in a 40-mile radius. Suddenly, I hear footsteps walking around our camp and head towards the tents from where I was in the community tent. That sound immediately put me on edge as I felt the hair on my arms raise and my adrenaline spike. I recall thinking to myself that two things are very wrong since the person was not using a light to see and the footsteps were not coming towards me from the tents. Rather, it was the opposite. Within the four seconds it took me to drop my book, get up and turn the corner of the tent to cast my light on the sleeping tents, the sound had stopped, but I saw tracks in the dirt before me. It looked like they had come from one end of the camp, looked into my tent, walked through the sleeping tents, and then kept walking out of the camp. I don't know if I was making too much noise or not by walking around, but the rest of my crew ended up waking up and asking me what was going on from inside their tents. After explaining what I had found, they all got up to look at the boot prints in the dirt. They were damn near perfect copies of my own boots, except for one small thing. I had a rock stuck in my treads that messed up the symmetry. I was wearing fairly common work boots, except I also happened to wear U.S. size 15 double-wide boots, so there was no way in hell this was one of the other crew members. I don't think any of us slept much that night. Never saw or heard anything more after that. A light rain removed the tracks a couple days later, but I do remember none of us were willing to step on the prints themselves, but rather chose to step over them like cracks in the sidewalk. My family and I went on a trip to the Hawking Hills area of southern Ohio a few weeks ago. There was a place that I always wanted to visit. The abandoned ghost town, Moonville Rail Tunnel. I had never been to this area, so I didn't know what to expect. But I did know it was pretty deep in the woods. We took a trip from our rented cabin, using Google for GPS, to the location. We start driving, and it's, for lack of better words, real impoverished where we are driving, sort of like the hills have eyes. We literally only see a few cars on the way there and are on back roads. We get to a point where we need to enter into a forest, and we are close to the tunnel. There was a sign that said we were entering Bubblewood. For a little additional information, I drive a Mercedes that I am just lucky to have, and have my husband in the car, a black man with dreadlocks, my 10-year-old non-verbal autistic son, and my 6-year-old daughter. We drive down this real creepy stone road in the forest, and there is nothing back there. No houses, no cars, nobody. We see signs that we are close and pull into the parking lot. There is a footbridge with a ton of padlocks and flowers that people had put there, we walk over the footbridge and make our way towards the tunnel, which is a lot larger than I expected. We hear the sound coming from the other side of the tunnel, 
that goes into the woods away from the parking lot. A truck comes driving through the tunnel towards us while we are on foot. He gets out of his truck with a chainsaw, and it's a white guy in his 60s. He walks with my entire family everywhere we go and through the tunnel. I try to make small talk with him and pull some info about if he worked for the Department of Natural Resources, etc. He really wasn't budging. We turned around to walk out of the tunnel, and he starts using a chainsaw behind us, and the sound is just echoing through this tunnel. At this point, we have no cell phone service, and literally, no one knows my family is out there except us. I was already worried my car was sending the wrong idea to people, like we have money or something, in which we don't. We rush to the car to get the kids in their booster seats, and this mother comes driving over the footbridge and his truck towards us in the parking lot. I honestly don't even know how the truck fit on it. He stops again and gets out of his truck and starts walking the other direction, much to our relief. About this time, I notice there are dusty handprints on my car. I asked my husband if they were his, and we compared his hand and my son's, and they were not a match. I don't know who could have touched the car, because we were with the chainsaw guy the entire time we were there. We got out of there as fast as possible. Just a few minutes later, I look into my rearview mirror, and there is a bunch of dust kicked up behind us, and there he is. He had to have driven pretty fast on the stone road to catch up to us like that. There is nowhere to go in these woods. The road is basically one lane. We have no cell service or GPS. Every time I think we lose him, he is there again. I'm waiting for my tires to get popped or something, or for this guy to ram me off the road into a ravine in the woods. Finally, we make it out of the woods and I turn out, and he's still following us. We were following printed directions to get back and I ended up making a wrong turn in the excitement. The guy in the truck was finally gone, and I turned around to go back past the stone road that goes into the forest. There is one lone house near this road, and there is his truck, parked there. He had to have seen us drive onto this road and into the woods, and taken some back way to the tunnel. I don't know if he was just trying to protect the site from more graffiti or what, but he really creeped us out. It was like every scary movie trope rolled into one single event. This story happened back in the 90s to my parents during their senior year of high school. Since their group of friends already had cars, the favorite thing they loved to do was night hiking around the state's local mental hospital, mainly to its old dairy farm. This was located on the side of a mountain, surrounded by agricultural fields and an open grassland. Since the dairy farm was not close to the mental hospital, and the nearest city life was located about five miles away. At night, the area was extra dark and quiet. Before the dairy farm was closed down, the patients from the mental hospital would go there for work. During this time, 
Some patients lost their lives at this location due to accidents. By the 90s, it was abandoned and left like a ghost town of its own, especially due to its rumors of it being haunted. It made the perfect place for a fearful experience. So this particular night, around 2 in the morning, my dad, my mom, four of their female friends, and one male friend planned to go to the dairy farm. They took two cars, and when they got to the usual parking spot on the side of the mountain, they saw that there was already a group of 20 people standing around their cars. When my parents and their friends got out of their cars, they noticed that the group of men all had shaved heads. They were Caucasian and in their mid-twenties. As my parents walked past them, both groups ignored each other and avoided making eye contact. However, my mom turned her head to see one of the men, and as she did this, the man pulled back his jacket and showed a pistol tucked into his pants. Then, he pulled back his lower lips, which revealed he had KKK tattooed on his bottom lip. When they were out of hearing range, my mom whispered to my dad, That man has a gun, and he has KKK tattooed on his lips. My dad brushed it off, thinking my mom was over-exaggerating, and said it was too dark to even notice those two things. So with that, my parents and their friends walked through the grassland to get to the dairy farm. The hike to get there is about half a mile from where they parked. However, as soon as they got to the farm, they heard gunshots coming from the direction of the cars. Fearing that something happened to their cars, they booked it back to the parking lot. When they got back, the group of men were already gone. But as they inspected their cars, they saw that all of their tires were slashed and their windows were broken and smashed. My dad, who used a particular colored blanket as a seat cover, and his stereo were stolen. Now they just stood there by their cars, wondering what to do next. It's not like they could just call someone for help. Nobody had a cell phone. And since they were deep in the secluded area, they could not flag someone down for a quick pickup. The nearest gas station with a payphone was five miles away. Both my dad and his male friend didn't want to leave the cars alone, since they both drove classic cars, and they feared that the men would come back. Eventually, it was decided amongst them that sending both guys to run to the payphone was the best option, leaving the women by themselves with the cars. This was because they feared that the shaved-head men were waiting down the road, expecting them to walk to the payphone. My dad and his friend ran to the gas station. As they left, my mom and her friends all gathered heavy rocks to use as some sort of protective weapon and hid away in the bushes and behind the trees. Two hours had passed when my mom noticed headlights coming down the road. Two tow trucks rolled into the parking lot. An immense fear spread throughout the group until they saw that out of the tow trucks came my dad and his brothers and a friend. They hooked up the cars to the tow trucks and were out of there in a matter of minutes. My dad told my mom that as they were running down the dark and empty road, they kept their eyes opened 
just in case the men were hiding in their cars with their lights off. Luckily, they got to the gas station without a problem. This next part may be hard to believe, but it's 100% true. Two weeks had passed and my dad managed to get his car fully repaired and drivable again. Mom and dad were driving to the local store where they parked and got out of the car. As they were walking into the store, a man was walking towards them. As he got closer, my mom realized that this was the same shade-headed man who flashed the gun at her. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. My mom immediately told this to my dad, but just like the first time, my dad denied that this was true. Then, two weeks later at the same store, my mom and dad were sitting in their car while my mom saw a car pull up next to them. As the man got out and just stood there by his car, she quickly noticed that it was the same man from before. My mom immediately told dad again, and again, my dad denied it, but my mom looked into his car and saw the very recognizable colorful blanket my dad used as a seat cover. This was when my dad finally connected the dots and got out of the car to confront the man. But the man, realizing what was happening, jumped back into his car and drove away. They didn't have time to get the license plate. The next week, when my dad was filling gas into his car, a car pulled up right behind him, and lo and behold, it was the same man. My dad immediately got into the guy's face, ready to confront him, but the man's friends got out of the car, and one of them pulled out a gun. The man with the gun then told everyone to get inside the car, and that group drove away. It has almost been... 30 years, and they have never seen these men ever since. To this day, my parents still wonder if all those encounters were a coincidence or something more sinister. We live in rural East Texas, in what is considered to be the Bigfoot capital of the state. My family has lived on our property for over a hundred years now. In the late fall of 2020, we began having what most would consider odd activity on our property. Now to preface, our property is mostly woods and swamp and butts up against more properties that are even less visited that are also forest and swamp. Some of the neighboring properties only have people visit for a few days each year in deer season and are otherwise vacant of humans all year, and some of the waterways get into pretty dark and isolated stretches of river bottoms. In the evenings, around sunset, and into the earlier hours of the night, we began to hear, on occasion, odd bird-like whistling noises coming from the woods across the road in the forest and swamp area. 
Our homes are on the other side of the road, from the underdeveloped property, and these weird noises would come from the wood line and after nightfall sometimes. It sounded like birds whistling and chirping, except it didn't sound exactly like birds. It sounded like something doing a really good job of mimicking birds whistling and chirping. This went on for months, but sadly, I never got any audio recordings of anything. My father, an experienced hunter and woodsman, said he kept trying to locate the source of the noises, but when he would get closer to the woods, the sounds would move away from him, further back into the woods. He said it would continue to do so, almost as if whatever was making the noises was trying to lure him into those woods. Having seen too many movies, he opted out of that situation and went back into the house. This all climaxed in January 2021, when I went out to get something from the back of our vehicle, and suddenly, from not far into the wood line, I heard the most chilling noise I have ever heard in my life. As I was retrieving my bag, a loud animal-type roar erupted from the wood line near the gate that accesses our property which is located just opposite the road at the end of my driveway. I have spent my entire life studying and working with animals, mainly exotics, and the best I can compare the sound to was a large male silverback gorilla roaring. I want you to understand that this sound sounded primal and alarming. I actually thought I mildly pissed myself reflexively. I searched for days on YouTube, and the closest sound I found was a video of a male gorilla at a zoo suddenly roaring to intimidate some onlookers, and it gets weirder from here still. Not being one to simply assume my family as being haunted by some monster, I decided to grab my headlamp, sidearm, and an AK-47 rifle. I then headed down into the woods to see what was making these sounds. I wished I could say that I saw a huge Sasquatch and had some epic shootout, but I didn't. I sat in my vehicle in the woods in total darkness for some time. I even played the Sierra sounds over my vehicle speakers to see if anything would show up. But sadly, and perhaps thankfully, nothing did. However, before leaving the woods... I headed back up to our cabin to make sure everything was normal around the cabin. We had actually had people break in before, so I wanted to make sure everything was as it should be. I searched the immediate area with my headlamp and rifle, and while there was some large animal that stayed just out of my line of sight due to thick overgrowth, I am mostly certain it was a feral pig, which can get very large and dangerous. The oddest part out of all of this was when I checked the slough, a semi-permanent body of standing water near our cabin. There was an animal in the tree that I still cannot identify. The small animal was about two feet tall, sitting on its haunches and about a foot wide. It had no obvious or visible tail and appeared to clearly have four appendages. It appeared to be some sort of mammal, but since the water was higher than normal due to a wet winter, I couldn't get a better angle or get close to it 
without wading out into icy water. The animal had silver-colored fur, with texture rather similar-looking to that of a chinchilla. During all of my attempts to get its attention, it would never show its face or paws, as it kept all those distinguishing features tucked into its body, like it was sleeping, despite it clearly reacting to the sounds I made on the ground. I have tried everything I can think of to identify this creature. It wasn't an opossum. It was not a raccoon. It was not an owl or young owl with downy feathers. I cannot place this animal with any local species of fauna, even if it had some health issue, like mange. The closest thing I have been able to find is a silvery gibbon, which are obviously not native to eastern Texas. My wife still half-jokes that I found a baby Sasquatch tucked away in a tree by its parents, and I honestly don't know what to think about all of this. But after that night, we haven't had any more strange activity that I'm aware of. I'm a very open-minded yet rational person. I have grown up in these woods. I have studied and kept numerous animal species. I have helped with government ecological projects in our area. I have taught biology and ecology classes, but this will baffle me for the rest of my life. Did I, in fact, find a baby Sasquatch? This is one of those stories that my husband and I still trot out occasionally to this day. It wasn't exactly in the woods, but it was, as best as we could tell, on uninhabited land that was surrounded by forest on all sides, so woods adjacent, at the very least. Most of my family, for the longest time, was centrally located in Florida, going back generations. That's changed as people have gotten older, passed on, and of course, needed to move out due to the job market in the state stagnating. But back then, I was sort of the black sheep of the family for being one of the very first to get out. I still tried to make trips down there to see them, though, when time and money allowed it, since I was still in early 20-something trying to keep my head above water, financially. Anyway, for this particular trip, I decided to introduce my then-boyfriend, now-husband, to everyone. And on top of for once having company on an extended road trip, it was also time for us to try out our shiny, newfangled GPS to get us to where we were going, since it had been long enough since my last journey that I didn't really trust my memory to lead me through Florida's roads. At least, not until I was in my home city proper. Turned out to be an almost entertainingly terrible trip. We were hit by fog and rain at the state border to the point where visibility was nearly zero and for one of the few times that I'd seen in years in that state, we got hit by hail in big enough pieces that it eventually broke one of my car's wipers. After debating whether we wanted to chance stopping to try to find a place to pick up a replacement, and essentially having to navigate this terrible weather with an increasingly shaky GPS device, we were at the least inhabited stretch of the main road, and the instructions set that device drew from definitely reflected it. In the middle of the night, 
we decided to try on trucking, and I made do with what visibility I could. Besides, I figured being able to read the road signs wouldn't matter so much since we had our computerized roadmap giving us directions. Well, that's what I thought. Except at some point, that calm, mechanical voice instructed us to take an unexpected turn off the main road. And after a little bit of back and forth with my SO, we half-jokingly decided to go with the flow and take it. We figured we could easily make a U-turn if it was completely off the mark. For all we knew, it was operating with information about some kind of road obstruction or accident that we couldn't see yet, because the weather was still absolute crap. So we drive along for a good amount of distance, and pretty much within the first couple miles, every other bit of traffic has dropped off. Then, a few minutes and another turn later, the road makes an abrupt transition from concrete to gravel, and I shrug my shoulders and chalk it up to at least a somewhat entertaining dog leg in our trip, even if I still couldn't see any of the landscape in this soupy weather. I tell my SO to just keep his eyes peeled for a good place to turn around, since our two-lane road has turned into an unpaved, one-lane path with a ditch running up each side, surrounded by increasingly heavy trees. One bit of silver lining, though, is that the horrible spew falling from the sky at this point finally pauses, giving us a bit of relief and making me not so afraid of getting our car stuck in mud while making my eventual turnaround. That also means we get an unobstructed view as the woods break on one side of us, revealing what looks like an old farmhouse sticking out like a sore thumb, and, who boy, we both felt absolutely silent when we saw this thing. It looked very abandoned, which is itself not unexpected. Florida backcountry, as I was familiar with, tended to be flat as a pancake, with fields and sporadic wooded sections. And every once in a while, you'd get some abandoned building, usually from someone who owned more land than they could maintain, or just couldn't afford anymore. This fit the bill with its empty, broken windows and peeling whitewash boards. Although it had a surprisingly well-maintained clear space around it, with evenly cut grass in a stretch about as big as a decent-sized yard, and festooned around that clear space, sometimes sitting up on pieces of raggedy furniture, or set up in little dioramas on the saggy porch of the building, are dolls. Literally hundreds of bearingly shaped dolls. Sometimes marionette types with worn-down joints, or stuffed cabbage patch style, one human-sized mannequin sat on a rocking chair so that it stared at you not five feet from the road, which was especially disorienting because the fog hadn't cleared fully, so you just saw the head and shoulders emerging from the mush before you could see it wasn't actually a person. And I'm not ashamed to say, I veered over as sharply as I could on that narrow path because it fooled me for a handful of seconds. We were both rubbernecking like crazy as we passed this thing, because the more you look, the more you see all the attention to detail someone went into to set everything up. 
Some of the dolls were sitting at tiny doll-sized tables, having tea with one another, with cracked and dirty glasses. Some of them have clothes, but no hair. Some have hair, but are slumped on the ground, like they'd been forgotten, while others are very purposefully placed. I can't even imagine how much effort had been sunk into that little abandoned house, but only on its doll residence. We passed that place by without a single word said, waited until it had finally veered out of our sight, and then I turned us around regardless of how narrow the path still was. We had come to the silent consensus that our little side trip was now done. When we went by that place again, I was going about as quickly as I judged our janky lemon of a car could go, but I'm sure Hubs got another good eyeful the second time around. Nowadays, we still occasionally reference the dollhouse when talking about trips to Florida, and then one of us will air guitar a riff from the dueling banjos of Deliverance. But it's definitely one of those things you only find entertaining from several states away, and not with a dead-eyed mannequin staring seemingly directly at your car as you drive past. Years ago, Kate Silver of Chicago was in Los Alamos, New Mexico, hiking Sincawi, an ancestral Pueblo village, with her now-husband, Neil. The couple encountered few people along the way, until they approached the end of the route, when they caught up to a man walking slowly. They trailed behind him until reaching a large boulder that had a ladder affixed to it. They'd climbed up it before, and now needed to go back down. But, inexplicably, the man remained there, standing with his back to the ladder, staring at the couple. They raised their voices, discussing how they needed to use the ladder. And finally, the man turned and went down. Silver and her husband followed, but the bizarre encounter wasn't over at the bottom of the ladder. Instead, the man continued to stalk them, to the bathrooms, through the parking lot, and eventually to their car at the very end of the lot. They hopped in the car as fast as they could, and then the unthinkable happened. As soon as the couple was inside the vehicle, but before they had a chance to lock the doors, the man somehow made his way inside, even going as far as sitting down in the back seat. Terrified, we turned around and started screaming, Silver says. Get the f*** out, Neil yelled. Sir, you do not belong here, she screamed, unsure where the politeness came from. Get out of the car, sir. And he listened. Thank God he listened, she continued. The shaken couple left the man standing next to the car, hands in his pockets and looking scared as they drove away. I'm glad the guy left the car and that we were both safe, Silver said. But when my hair raises as I think back on those moments, I know he's still around. Wendy Yanagera, who lives in Southern California, had an equally disturbing experience during a camping trip outside Moab, Utah, with a friend. As they set up camp, the pair opted not to use a tent fly 
so they could better enjoy the breeze and the warm temperatures. That night, mysterious footsteps crunched outside their tent. Yanagira's friend slept through it, but she remained wide awake and very afraid. They were out in the middle of nowhere, after all, and they hadn't heard a vehicle approach. So who or what was out there? Yanagira will never know, since she was understandably too afraid to open my eyes or give any indication I was awake because we could be seen through the mesh windows, she said. I lay there sweating and scared to move as the footsteps circled our tent. Eventually they went away. No motor, no other sound. The next morning, after she told her friend what had happened, they looked outside and found large boot prints surrounding the tent. But still, no evidence of anyone walking or driving up to the site. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. A little over 18 years ago, I had just gotten out of the military. I drove all the way from Louisiana to my hometown in Montana without incident. I spent a few days at home and then got back on the road because my new home destination was Boise, Idaho. It was February, so instead of going straight down the length of the state, I cut across the panhandle of Idaho into Washington. The highway going straight down through the state is really twisty and very dangerous in the winter. So I crossed the state line into Washington. It was a Sunday, and it was very, very early in the morning. As cliche as it sounds, there was quite a bit of fog in the air. I had been driving for a while, and I really had to use the bathroom. Now, normally, given how I was out in the middle of nowhere, I would normally just pull over on the side of the road and take a whiz, but since it was so foggy and hard to see, I thought it safer to just wait until I hit the next small town. So I drove for maybe five more miles, and I started seeing signs for a town. I can't remember for the life of me the name of the town, but I think it was Linden or Linder, something like that. It was on I-90, going into the Spokane Valley, so I head towards the sign, which was a right turn off the interstate, and it's a short drive up this road, and I reach the town. It was small, but I thought nothing of it, since I was from a small town in Montana. Now here's where things get odd. There was not a single person to be found. There were cars and business, but not a single person to be found. No one walking the street. No logging trucks driving. Everything was just as still as the air. I stopped at a gas station. It was one of those one-in-all-places that did car repairs, tires, etc. But no one was at the counter. I thought, well, maybe it's just really early. So I went around to the side to see if the bathroom was locked. And it was. 
As I made my way back around to the front of the building, I saw a delivery truck. It was a classic Coca-Cola truck, except it wasn't moving. Its headlights were on, the hazard lights were on, and the passenger and driver's side doors were open, just sitting there in the middle of the street. Yes, I was getting a bad vibe, so I got back in my car and went back the way I came. I got back to I-90 and thought again about just pissing on the side of the road, but honestly, I was too afraid. I continued driving until I hit Spokane. Honestly, I was more than a bit freaked out, and I had completely forgotten I had to piss. I didn't see anything creepy or hear anything creepy, but the stillness in the air and the complete lack of life, human or animal, was just terrifying and unsettling. I looked on the map to see where I was once I got to Spokane, which was a Rand McNally's map, because GPS on phones was just not a thing yet, and I could not find it at all on the map. Even as I was writing this, I looked at Google Maps, and nothing but the name Linden or Linder or otherwise is on the map. I still to this day will never forget that feeling of just freaky displacement I felt there. When I got to Boise, I told my friend about it, and he thought I was just trying to rip off Silent Hill or Resident Evil, and honestly I can't blame people for saying that. But at the same time, that was the reason I wouldn't piss on the side of the road. I kept recalling the part in Resident Evil 1 where the hikers were killed by the murderous dogs. Anyway, thank you for listening to my story. And if you know of a town on Highway 2 between Coeur d'Alene, Idaho and Spokane, Washington, let me know. If you are from there, I mean no offense, but your town is creepy as f- I was in a large wooded area near my boyfriend's home with him, hanging out nearly at midnight. We had gone in pretty deep, and it required a good amount of climbing. The closest path was maybe five to seven minutes climbing down, so it was highly unlikely someone could be at that spot, that time of night, besides us. As we were making out, my boyfriend thought he saw a shadow maybe 20 to 25 feet to the left of us, climbing. But it stopped suddenly when my boyfriend looked at it. He told me to be wary, and at that exact moment, we saw a dark figure climbing upwards but diagonally, like he was trying to go directly above where we were. We didn't move and just sat there watching him till he closed the horizontal gap and was directly above us maybe 15 feet of the steep downhill thick forest. Then he began to come towards us. Without skipping a beat, my boyfriend grabbed my hand, and we ran downhill until we reached the path. We made it in less than two minutes, while still holding hands and listening to the man running behind us. We ran as fast as we could down that path and out of the forest, where there was a cafe and some basketball and tennis courts next to the wooded hill, and of course, there were people. As we realized we came really close to being mugged, or worse... We vowed never to go there at night again.
And that, dear listeners, is the end of these scary, middle-of-nowhere stories. If you were sleeping, I hope Slumberland is treating you kindly. If you are awake and listening, I hope you've enjoyed this collection. Until next time, I'll read to you soon. Have yourself a good morning, a good afternoon, or 